Hello and welcome to episode 165 of the Naked Tech Podcast. It's a show that gives you everything you need to know about consumer tech, the internet, and all things cosmic microwave background radiation. I'm your friend Jeff Kim. My name is Kelvin Lee, and I've always thought Melvin was a stupid name. Melbourne was a stupid name? Melbourne? Yeah, Melbourne, like, you know, Melbourne Capital. Yeah, capital of the Victorians. GameStop? No, no, not really into that story. No. The guy. Okay, you might have to, you might have to, uh. Yeah, let's talk about that. Now, just, just a caveat GameStop. It is impossible to stay up to date with, with what's happening. Like, I enjoy Reddit, but my God, there is so much happening. There's so much toxic behavior. There's so many rumors. Mm-hmm. So today, I'm just going to go cover the basics, but if you really want to get into it, definitely go to the Wall Street Bets um, Reddit you know, channel and check it out and you know, join the ride if you want, but it is so hard to follow. Um, it, it's insane. Are we going to get, get into that straight away, maybe? Why, why not, since we're talking yeah. about it? why not? So why not? we're, we're going to mm-hmm. kick off with, I think ABC News has been doing mm-hmm. an amazing job at explaining, you know, Generally, just like the economy and finance in general, and I really enjoy watching their you know two three minute videos on YouTube. So here's ABC covering GameStop about five days ago. What's going on? Well, an established Wall Street hedge fund was shorting GameStop last year, betting the share price would continue to fall and make a buck out of its decline. Then small time traders on a Reddit thread called Wall Street Bets got together and chucked money at the stock, making it rise which in turn made the hedge fund buy to cover itself. And it's become a virtuous or vicious circle, which has pushed the stock all the way from four to 347 US dollars. Some crow it's the new Occupy Wall Street, saying millennials are crowdsourcing the biggest short squeeze in recent history and Wall Street boomers are getting massacred. Others are begging regulators to stop the gamification of trading. What? (laughs) What what is trading really? Is it not gamification? Yeah, we're not gonna get we're not gonna get into that in in, in this podcast because I okay. think there are better people to follow. There are smarter people commenting about this. Mm-hmm. There are rumors of other hedge funds who were involved. There are rumors of you know um, you know Elon having a role. Um, but the general gist is um, there was a hedge fund called Melvin Capital who were shorting GameStop to do poorly, just like everybody, right? They're, who buys games in a store? Sorry, EB Games. Um, and, you know, the Reddit group, um, Wall Street Bets, found out about it, and they decided to corral the people in, in that group to buy the stock to, you know, push the prices up because, you know, screw you, Wall Street. It's gotten out of hand. There are billions of dollars lost. You know, hedge funds are closing, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if there's anything you've learned from today's show and i hope that clip helps a little bit just to give you enough to know just a little bit of what's happening but it's a very complicated story that's changing by the hour Mm -hmm. um don't believe everything you see on the mainstream media there's just rumors of you know now they're buying silver it's a fascinating sort of you know drama piece to watch on the internet but there's so many unknowns It, it sounds like you know, there are, you know, plays in the shadow, um, in the background. Yeah, it's, I wouldn't try to follow it if I were you. I mean, that's probably good good advice, Kelvin. Um, I've, I've sort of fallen into the trap of just because it, there's, there's been so much chatter with this. And uh, I, I never watched the movie The Big Short. 
So <laughs> like I, I kind of understand, yes, what it's about when you're shorting something, uh, a, a stock of some kind. I thought, um, I thought I've got one clip on this and I thought uh, just, just to explain what that is, um, this pretty much explained it for me. So hopefully this, this works. As, it, it's an iPhone analogy. So here we go. This is from the Vergecast. Let's say that I borrow your iPhone. Okay. It's a brand new iPhone and I borrow it from you. And I say, yeah. I'll give this back to you in, I don't know, two weeks. Okay. And during that time, Apple has just a fire sale on that specific kind of iPhone. And so what I do is I, I sell your iPhone at the original price. And yeah. then I go buy the cheaper iPhone and give it back to you. Uh, uh, thank you, Data. Um, that was my reaction as well. But um, I mean, essentially, when you're shorting something, you're betting that a company will fall like a antiquated uh, business model of selling software in a box. A um, cu couple of other companies that it's been targeted, uh, AMC, which is yes. a cinema chain. And we talked about them a couple of times uh, based on certain things that, ha that have happened. Um, they, they looked, well, I mean, I, I just watched a half an hour video of um, uh, Dan Marl saying cinema is now saved because of this. But anyway, um, going back to the, the shorting business. So basically, it, it's, it's, it's a way to make money from borrowing some stocks from someone, sort of promising that you're going to give that back. But in that time, when, you, when you've borrowed it, you, you sell off at the big price, but then you buy at the lower price after it's gone down. Um, and then you give back the the stock with, and that margin is what you what you gain. So um, there's there's a you know there, there's some to gain there, but you know if you, if you do it wrong, like in this instance, like these are hedge funds, you, it's an infinite amount of loss you can you can make. That there's no there's no end to it. Yeah, and and I really feel for the SEC here because all these all these tactics are being exposed. I mean. They've they've borrowed more stock than is actually available. You know there is there there are trading platforms being controlled by hedge funds that have been told you know not to trade GameStop anymore. Like is that legal? I think there's a lot for the SEC to try to mm -hmm. try to go through and try to understand what's illegal and what is just common practice that is just poor. Um, yeah, fun to watch. Um, I I didn't buy any GameStop um, shares. You know got children to think of um but you know if, if you've bought some GameStop shares or if you're buying into any of these shares let us know what let us know what you're doing and why you're doing it and you know like how would you explain to someone who knows absolutely nothing about shorting and share trading i think that would be interesting mm -hmm. yep and i, I did lean, learn a new term the short squeeze which is mm -hmm. this is what it is um yeah so panic stations in wall street yeah uh so let's move on to something that we've uh, sort of been in our backlog to talk about and it has been a little while so uh listeners that have reached out recently uh, we're, we're back i guess we've had some scheduling issues kelvin but like uh, we're, we're back we're refreshed we're ready to go for a big 2021 we're gonna quickly touch on ces um which is an annual thing, a bit of bit of tradition for us. Um, I did have a look at last year, Kelvin, and you know we had two episodes of CES last year, <laughs> and, <laughs> and now we can barely dead. come up with one. Yeah, so I think it's going to be a shortened uh, version. Um, 
But just to illustrate, I guess this this CES was a little bit different. Last year was pre-pandemic. Um, here is Marquez talking about, I guess, uh, essentially like the way we've covered it in the past is is how everyone else is covering it because like not being there basically. Um, so he's going to give you a little flavor of that. And that's the whole point of CES uh -huh. is they have these demos, they hook you in, they've got this giant keyboard, they've got this random segue, whatever it is, and you see it and you try it and you were never going to even go, but you sort of stumbled across it in, on your way to other things. And that seems very hard to pull off in a virtual way. Sorry, I probably should have uh, mentioned that. Um, he's talking about email marketing here. So all, all the all the little guys, the big guys have the big booths and you know they've got lots of uh, eyeballs even when it's virtual. But the little guys, previously they had to rely on some you know random uh, you know show floor uh, experiences like someone like Marquez is walking down from one from Samsung to uh, Xiaomi or whatever it is stumbling upon some like some drone or something like that that that's how they got the tech reporters now it's just all email marketing so that that's, that's um interesting interesting take yeah and uh, i virtual events are hard full stop i think it's hard to know who's really engaged you know sitting behind their monitor at home with the kids yelling or you know you're doing you've got three screens like i do you know you're trying to work at the same time while doing something I, I couldn't get into CES this year. Like, you know, all, all I saw was, you know, a lot of a lot of people trying to jump on the whole pandemic and, and trying to create, you know, new tech around that or it was TVs because people are staying home a lot more. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to see, you know, what you saw at CES. I've, I've got a couple examples. I'm, I'm going to start with a, a bad example that you, um, I, I suppose, uh, opportunistic ways that that companies are trying to take advantage of the pandemic so here's here's something from joanna stern i'm wearing an AirPop active plus smart mask this circle here isn't a filter those come with the mask and clip inside this thing contains sensors that capture breathing related data temperature and humidity then via bluetooth it delivers that data to your phone so you can know more about your breathing and the outside world mm, all for 150 dollars kelvin Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. I, I mean, like, mm, do I, I... I do have problems breathing sometimes in a mask. But, like, do I need to... Do I need my phone to tell me that I'm having problems? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. Look, I... Hopefully, hopefully with the vaccine now, you know, in a full rollout, like, all this just goes away next year. Um, so it's, 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 it's such a gimmick. Um, I haven't seen one in, in action yet. I know, you know, there are companies like Razer trying to make a mask, you know, that has a microphone and it's Bluetooth connected. Like, how heavy is that thing going to be? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it just doesn't seem comfortable to me. Mm. There, there was a whole bunch of, like, UV light tech, which questionable sort of uh, technology in terms of getting rid of the virus on, like, phone surfaces. Like, you know, the, I've seen examples of, um, you know, Qi charging pads, but with a UV light, like on top of it. <laughs> so, I yeah, mean, your phone is probably the, the dirtiest thing. It's probably nothing to do with uh, the pandemic. It's probably just your, your own germs you need to worry about. Um, I've also, some something cool. Okay, so 
yeah, we, we can we can go on about robots and um, things like that, but I think we kind of covered them to death last year. I feel like we had two two episodes worth. So yeah, you got your roly, uh, roly tennis ball type of robots. Um, I, I guess they progressively get smarter every year. So yeah, robots are coming, guys, whether you like it or not, and they're gonna help you around the house. Um, I've seen things like. Uh, you know, doors opening, there's some sort of sensor, so your, your door to a room will open automatically for you. Okay, that's that's all right, I guess, for accessibility purposes. Now, this this one I am excited about, and I've got Brian Cooley from CNET. He's like a senior editor there. Um, it sort of gets into the auto side of things, and he's got he's going to talk about a partnership with Panasonic and a okay, UK-based laser holographic company called Invisix. I can't remember if he's going to mention that, but here it is. The two of them are going to work on a augmented reality engine to use the windshield as an AR display space of relatively large size and really start to label things out there in your driver's view. I think this is a really overdue trend that's going to revolutionize the information display of driving in context. I get particularly excited about Panasonic, though, because they're a heavy hitter in the cabin tech business and providing it to car makers. Yeah, it's that's a good point because Panasonic's already or that that their technology is already in cars on the dashboards and things like that. But um, so yeah, I, I think that makes it real or more real than um, like if this was a just a startup like in in Visix, if if they did it by themselves, probably not as uh, likely that's going to happen anytime soon. But this, you know, we know this technology exists. Um, the AR part of it, I'm not exactly sure if there's going to be eye tracking. So like. You know, for for those um, arrows and lines to line up perfectly with the road, it has to be in the you know line of sight, right? So I assume there's going to be some sort of eye tracking as well. But um, you know, maybe maybe we're a little bit early for that. But yeah, just just in principle, I think this is good, right? Yeah, and I totally believe that the tech is there. Like my Subaru Forester has eye tracking technology to make sure that I don't look away. So every time I look away, it just goes look ahead, look ahead, look ahead. So there is, you know, existing technology that can do basic eye tracking. You know, um, I've seen Mazdas and Mercedes Benzes with, you know, heads up displays, um, short for HUD, um, you know, that, that are already prevalent. There is also on the windshield, on the windshield but also, yeah. um, you know, the screen behind the steering wheel where traditionally where your speedometer is, that could easily also become a screen that shows what's in front. So it could be a double screen there. You know, some cars have, you know, night vision that, that can, you know, can show up, you know, where the speedometer is. Um, yeah, I, I totally see this happening. I'm surprised, it, you know, it hasn't come any sooner. I think it does rely on like a confluence of different technologies coming, you know, sort of coming together at the same time or at the right time. Um, yeah, so interesting, interesting one. I think for those that are listening and not on the twitch stream or the uh youtube stream it um probably just worth describing like imagine um you know i think google maps has a new feature where if you're walking around um it shows your directions but you could sort of do the ar version now so kind of like mm. that but not on your phone it's on your car windscreen so it's like uh playing playing a video game like yeah a, or just imagine like you know Top Gun and you know the 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 displays that have the mm. fighter jets have where it shows you know data. Um, so in this case, you know the the example that Jeff has is 
You can easily look at whether Nick's turn is or your speed or a cyclist is up ahead. Um, like when, you know, my Subaru Forester is the 2019 version, and I'm so impressed with what the cameras can do. Um, just the way it picks up, you know, a car is stopped, you know, and it knows, you know, pedestrians are walking. It's insane. Um, mm. So all it needs is a display that is able to visually show that, you know, that, that danger rather than through a beeping noise. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, totally plausible. That's right. So, I mean, that's that's all I have for CES. But uh, while we're on the, the motoring theme, should we go do some rumors, Kelvin? Yes. So, you and I have been talking about the Apple car for a number of years now. Um, it's, you know, iCar. it's been iCar. It's been, you know, coined Project Titan. Um, over the years, um, Apple has started a team and then let go of that team. And now there's a rumor about Hyundai. So I've got a clip uh, from Snazzy who did a 25 minute video on this just to talk about the pros and cons. But here's a quick 30 second one. Now, the report entailed that Apple would either have Hyundai manufacture its vehicles at the Kia Motors Georgia factory, or that Apple would partner with Hyundai and build an entirely new factory capable of up to 400,000 units annually, specifically for Apple's new vehicle or vehicles. Holy crap. Hey. Hey, I thought this was more than a rumor, Kelvin. Well, there's now another rumor on the rumor that Hyundai is getting a bit nervous. Um, the leadership at Hyundai, uh, well, the rumor is, is, you know, is this good for Hyundai? You know, they're, they're worried about the rumors that, you know, companies who work with Apple tend to get very little control on decision-making and, uh, you know, the supply chain. So it, I think that there is an agreement to form a partnership. It's, it, Mm -hmm. it just comes down to does Hyundai make the car for Apple? Does it, does it, does it sort of, you know, license its ip to apple i think which is a smart the smarter decision so you know they still have autonomy it's mm-hmm. it's it's a big decision for hyundai yeah i feel like apple has a lot to gain from that relationship right like hyundai like you know they're they're making electric cars by the bucket full and uh the you know they're, they're already going down that path so what are, what are they really gaining i guess they're sort of getting a bit of i don't know that bit of that apple brand prestige if anything. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, Snazzy in his video also mentioned a really good point. Like what, what is, what makes Tesla so special compared to all the other EV cars out there? Autopilot. So can Apple give Hyundai that leverage in terms of AI, ML, AR, that software? No one knows what it looks like. Is Apple Mm -hmm. able to produce something as amazing as tesla's autopilot so hyundai doesn't know that right i mean you have to be careful with the term autopilot because mm. even elon says that it's a it's a bit of a loaded term it's because uh, you're not you're still not supposed to take your hands off the steering wheel um you, you can watch a movie but don't take your hands off the steering wheel but um i think you know te- tesla's sort of although you know the performance in the last 18 months has been almost like GameSpot-like. Um, GameStop. Sorry, I said GameSpot again, didn't I? <laughs> GameStop. Um, like 10,000% growth or something like that. Yeah. Um, but they're not using LiDAR technology. For, yeah. Uh, and and that's, that's the thing that um, I think they need to get to 
um, that sort of grade five level of automation, um, like complete automation. That's that's what that's what that fifth level is. So yeah, it'll be interesting how that plays out. Um, maybe that that is that is the differentiator for Hyundai and and Apple. Um, mm. Like Google, what's Google's uh, Waymo? Waymo is definitely on lidar. Um, yeah. So the difference is um, lidar is like a radar-like technology, so it actually senses atoms, whereas Tesla's uh, just using computer vision. It's it's purely pixels. So pixels yeah. versus atoms. Yeah, and we all know that you know there is a lidar sensor on the iPhone 12 Pro Max. So the technology is there. Um, it's just a matter of can they implement that on a obviously a very different scale. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't think you know this is, this will be sort of sorted out until twenty twenty five. At least, at least, yeah. Um, all right. So speaking of future tech, I think we can go there. Um, future tech. Um, this this something completely out of different to what we've been talking about tonight. So. All right, I'm going to give this a go, um, but this is dealing with quantum mechanics, my favorite subject, Kelvin. Oh, so there's some kooky wait. business going on here, but um, we know we know China has been working on uh, quantum communication. Um, it's also referred to as QKD, which is quantum key distribution. So this is different to computer, uh, sorry, quantum computing uh, in terms of processing and trying to work out calculations. This is more around um, a secure way to transmit data, basically. So, you know, um, I'm going to play a clip here from Dr. Kiki in uh, on DTNS. Um, she probably will refer to something that's uh, supposedly unhackable if, if they're successful with this. So um, let's listen to her first. Researchers are working to create unhackable networks for our data communication. And in China, they have been pushing this technology forward year after year. And a team earlier this month from the Univers University of Science and Technology of China in Wefei published an article in Nature on an integrated quantum communication network that achieved quantum key distribution. That's the QKD Tom mentioned earlier across 4,600 kilometers. Yes. So. In in sort of internet speak, that's you know that's nothing, really for uh, five thousand kilometers. Uh, you know we we can I think we can communicate at least to the moon, right? Maybe not to Mars, but uh, through our internet protocols. This this is a brand new type of thing, um, and there is zero lag because it is using quantum mechanics. So one of the qualities or uh, characteristics of quantum mechanics is that um, there's there's like a a twin oh god i'm trying to think of the term but like if, if something happens uh it's it, uh quantum in entanglement that's what i'm trying to think of so basically two things are entangled with each other and as soon as you measure one thing on one side it could be light years away immediately the other side if, if someone is there they, they know what that result is so it's like instant communication so this is big so if they can um get to you know like i, I think QKD is what they're going to use for space internet. So, because I've never heard of QKD, how is it different yeah. to what we have now, right? So there is copper in the ground for phones. There is satellites in the air for everything else. 
how's it different now? Like, how, what, well, is it, what, what is it means of transporting that communication? Great question, Kelvin. So right now we're using electrical signals. So it takes time for an electron to get from point A to point B. This is instant, like literally instant. You could be, theoretically, it could be light years apart. So like think, think about, you know, Zoom. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll be in Alpha Century. Apparently that's where Elon Musk has gone. He's, he's gone from Twitter and people are saying he's gone to Alpha Century. But I'm in another star system and we can have a Zoom call. No lag. Like you've seen The Martian, right? You've seen The Martian. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, to, yeah. Speaking with Matt Damon, you had, there was that lag. You had to like you had to wait for like the light to actually travel between Earth and Mars, which took uh, like thirty minutes or something like that. But we're talking about instant communication, so I think that's big. Um, China is building this. Uh, I think I've got a second clip. Yes, um, this this is going to blow your mind. This is going to blow your mind. And this Nature paper described the integration of these two methods as an average key generation of 47.8 kilobytes per second. And if you remember old dial-up modems being around 56 kilobytes per se- kilobytes per second, that is almost on par with old dial-up modem speed. The quantum communication network served industry banks, power grids, and government websites. They were working, they're already running this network. So they've got a network that's using quantum mechanics to communicate in a very secure way. For the moment, it's apparently unhackable. Obviously, things will happen in the future and they'll figure out a way. But for now, it's like unhackable. Um, doesn't matter if you have the the biggest and most powerful quantum computer. Like you, you can't unhack this. You can't hack this. And um, yeah, they've got a little, you know, modem modem size thing. In terms of uh, throughput and and bandwidth, they can send data to each other in a very secure way, like four thousand six hundred kilometers. So, like, think where we were with dial-up modems. When was that? The mid nineties. Ninety-five. Yeah. Twenty-five years later, we've got five G networks and crazy things like that. So, yeah, I think this is it. This 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 will live alongside the internet. So essentially, China is building, and and they are to be fair, they are partnering with a bunch of other countries, U.S. not being one of them, but uh, they're they're building their like a separate internet. So, it says here in the article you shared from phys.org, China is using seven hundred optical fibers on the ground and two ground to satellite links to achieve QKD. So it still needs to bounce a signal but it's the way it's transmitting the signal that is groundbreaking. That's right, yes. So, yeah, in term, the, the type of data is exactly the same. There's n- nothing funky about that. Um, like, technically, I, I was on the Wikipedia earlier, and it's just the way, the polarization of light, I think that's that's how they work out the different um, bits of information. But, um, yeah, like once, I, th- I think uh, I did read it, it might be on the article as well, once it detects, once the system detects someone's trying to hack into it, it immediately shuts down. And um, yeah, like you can't, you, you need the, the two endpoints to, you know, obviously it's some encrypted data and you, you just can't get into it. So I think, um, you know, America and the West are also working on this. I'm sure DARPA is well across this, but it sounds like 
China is well ahead of the game and this could be the new, uh, I don't know, the, the new Cold War. Sure. I mean, like, the one, the one who gets this first is, is going to have a huge advantage, right? Yeah, because it's basically unhackable, right? If you believe this. So it's all about secrets and, and more secrets. And if no one can tap into what China is saying to each other, then they've won the war. It's over. No. It's over. It's over. It's over. No, no right. I think, so that's I think my attempt at explaining that one. No, it's about time we need something like this. I think we're still running on copper, uh, especially here in Australia, which makes it really sad. Um, and, you know, on, on the flip side, there's talk of what Elon's doing with his internet plan, you know, to fire satellites into orbit. Like, it, it's all happening. It's going to power, you know, how my kids communicate. So, you know, Apple this is, is all working good on stuff. a CDN? Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's the information war now. So it's going to be different. Yes. Um, speaking of wars, is something <laughs> shutting down? Is that what I see from your clip list? Yep. So there is, would you call it a war? I think, I think you know, to, to take another turn in the episode today, we're going to go with something a little bit lighter. Uh, Google has a service called Stadia. Now, the running joke is Google has all these services that they kill fairly frequently, and this could be one nail in the coffin for Stadia. So Stadia is a game streaming service. The the idealistic way of looking at it is, you know, uh, if I want to play a AAA game like Cyberpunk, I, I can do it on my phone or do it on a MacBook because I'm going to stream it over the internet. <laughs> so here's a clip um, from Linus, uh, you know, Tech News, just talking about what they've done recently and why this could be a bad sign for Google. Well, Stadia isn't getting shut down yet but Google is shutting down its first-party game development studio. Stadia chief Phil Harrison cited an exponentially increasing cost of producing games in-house as the only real reason, which, to be fair, is a good one. AAA game development budgets are often in the hundreds of millions of dollars range. <laughs> the rest... Don't yeah. exponential, but... Hmm. <laughs> so, you know, um, and, you know, Things for Stadia haven't been great. Like during their launch, everyone just slammed it hard. Like you know, there was lag, the controllers were bad, uh, and it doesn't help that there is now Nvidia's streaming service called GeForce Now uh, that is coming to Australia in 2021. So there is a ISP in Perth called Pentanet uh, that is going to be powering the service here in Australia. Uh, they haven't, they don't have a date yet. Um, but, you know, I think they're going to be setting up the network, the servers, um, and hopefully we'll launch, you know, sometime in 2021. So the dream is you can access your game library anywhere uh, using, you know, the 5G network uh, or the NBN here, here in Australia, which is a national broadband network. Um, so I think the, I think Pentanet is just waiting for 5G to really take off so that they can stream games um, on your mobile de devices. Uh, and hopefully, you know, I've been seeing a lot of new MBN plans for, for you know, a, a download speed of 250 megabits. So things are definitely getting better. Um, hopefully that will help with the lag. Mm, um, I do know Pentanet, actually, mm. from a... Funnily enough, uh, a sporting sponsorship in Perth. But um, <laughs> if, if you want to look up, uh, you know, the the launch of Google Stadia, we, we did talk about it in episode one twenty three. Oh yes, 
enjoy that. Let me see. What episode? <laughs> okay. Zach. The podcast. 123. The, right? the artwork for the episode is uh, interesting Amazing. as well. <laughs> um, yeah. No. Harambe. Harambe. R.I.P. What was that about? I, thought, I think that was an Elon thing, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was a, definitely an Elon thing. Um, yeah, so, you know, I think it's really interesting. I think, you know, I think gaming streaming services are going to take off once 5G takes off, and I can't wait. Cool, and I think we're out of stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, this episode has been a little bit of a, a mishmash of uh, covering the latest tech news of the last couple of weeks. But if you enjoy tech news, you know, check out our other 164 episodes on the website. That is the nakedtechpodcast.com. Hit us up on any of the social networks. Tell us what you think about GameStop or anything else we've, ch- we've you know, chatted about today. Let's calve out. Jeff out. Quantum, what was K stand for again? Quantum K- K- KD, what? Key key distribution. Key distribution. Oh my god. Interesting stuff. QKD. Ah, what happened to the good old days where you just use your phone line or sending a fax <laughs> people? Come on. Well, I mean, the, the mode the mode of tra- uh, transmission doesn't change. It, it'll still be, you know, memes and GIFs just on a very secure network. <laughs>